Well, good morning, everyone. I am Danny Kilgore. I am the Associate Pastor of Outreach and Missions, and I have the blessing of being your speaker for today's worship service. And as me, many of you may or may not know, we are in a sermon series called Refresh. See, this series focuses on how we as believers can take a closer look at how we do church and what we need to do to refresh our perspectives and our practices. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've examined how we connect with other believers and how we approach our Sunday morning gatherings. But today we will draw our attention to refreshing the ways we feed ourselves spiritually. And I hope and I pray that we will have a deeper understanding of our spiritual responsibilities by the end of this sermon. Amen. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and get ready to use your fingers in that table of contents because we're going to be walking through a few scriptures this morning. We're going to take a look at Luke chapter 8, verse 11 and 15. John chapter 15, verse 5. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. And once you've found them, go ahead and earmark those three scriptures. And if someone is willing, would you please drop those scriptures in the chat? That's Luke chapter 8, verse 11 and 15. John chapter 15, verse 5. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. Now, while you're locating those, let me just say this. I know that had this been, say, a year ago, we wouldn't be having this refreshed conversation. However, we live in different times. What used to be is sadly a thing of the past. No church as usual no longer works. So what do we do? Do we quit? Do we give up on trying? Do we complain about how things used to be, you know, the good old days? No, not at all. We refresh our spiritual lifestyles to line up with this new normal. You know, I'm grateful to be a part of a church that hasn't given up on doing the things God has called us to do. See, this church has been committed to providing worship experiences, communal groups, service to community, and teaching for all generations. But here's the thing. During times like this, we must evaluate our spiritual rhythms and practices. How are we managing our spiritual growth? See, no matter how hard it might feel, God requires us to be responsible for our spiritual growth by engaging as an act of the will in what MCC provides and engaging with Jesus in our spiritual rhythms and disciplines for daily bread. Spiritual growth is a sign of our relationship with the Lord. See, our spiritual gift, our spiritual growth comes from a consistent commitment to lean into the teachings of God's word and daily disciplines. But if we want to see growth, we must be intentional. See, when I think of growth, I can't help but to visualize a farmer. See, a farmer works hard to prepare his or her field so that the soil is fertile. See, they play pay close attention to watering it. And at the very right time, the farmer receives their harvest. <laughs> this is why 
I chose the title of this message to be The Farmer in the Dale. <laughs> the Farmer in the Dale. Can you tell I have a five-year-old? <laughs> the Farmer in the Dale. The Farmer in the Dale is a well-known singing game. You know it, right? The song? The Farmer in the Dale. The Farmer in the Dale. Hi ho the Dario, the farmer in the Dale. You know, every time I sing that song though, I can't help but wonder about two things. What in the world is a Dale? And why is the farmer in it? <laughs> now if you're like me though, you don't if you don't know something, what do you do? Google. You Google it. That's right, you Google it. Do you know what I found out though? A dale is a valley. Farmers who plant in a valley experience the most challenges because the valley is small, steep, and often woody. So the farmer has to work extra hard to yield a harvest. Family, I couldn't help but to see God as that farmer. Coming into the valley of our lives to cultivate growth in us. You see, using farming metaphors to connect us to spiritual growth, that isn't a new concept. See, Jesus used agricultural parables all the time. He did this because it was relatable to the culture and it was an excellent comparison. See, one concept you read from many scriptures is the idea of seed, time, and harvest. Now, most time when you hear that, you think of understanding about finances, but when we dissect our spiritual practices and rhythms towards growth, seed, time, and harvest are relevant. Say that with me, seed, time, and harvest. So the first point, if we want to refresh how we approach our spiritual growth cycle, we must understand seed, God has commissioned this church to plant good seeds on fertile ground. Luke chapter eight, verse 11 says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. In verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Okay, so shortly after college, I joined um, a church in Atlanta, and it was my first church, church I had attended since rededicating my life to Christ. You know, I was committed to staying the course this time around. So every time the doors were open, I was in the church. I was at every prayer meeting, Bible study. I was in two life groups. I sang on the praise team. I volunteered with the youth. I helped them out with the assisted living homes. I helped clean the church on Saturdays. I decorated for holidays. And when I wasn't at church, I was reading my Bible. I was memorizing scriptures and highlighting every verse that spoke to me. I still have that Bible. And when I look at it now, it looks more like a coloring book. <laughs> but I guess... I was just hungry. See, I had spent two years doing me and now I was ready to be all about God. The pastor of the church told me, he said, you're what we call fertile ground. Soil that absorbs seeds that have been planted. Soil that's the perfect ground for growth. You see, he was right, I was hungry. 
I wanted to take in everything that I could. I wanted to be fully committed to God. You know, Marin Covenant is a church that plants good seeds. From sermons to opportunities to grow in small groups, God has commissioned this church to plant good seeds on fertile ground. The question is though, what kind of soil are you? See, in Luke chapter eight, Jesus talks about the seed that fell along the path. He describes that as the one who hears the word and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Then there's the seed that fell on the rocky ground. You know, those are the ones who receive the word with joy and, their heart, and they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Some seeds fall among the thorns. See, as they go on their way, those who hear are choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the place where we all should desire and aim to be is the seed that falls on good soil. See, that's those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Family seeds are being planted here in more ways than one. We just need to be sure that our hearts represent good soil that creates growth. So if we want to refresh how we approach our spiritual growth cycle, the second thing we must understand is time. We must spend time with God if we're going to experience spiritual growth. John chapter 15, five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, time. I think of the three parts of, of this growth cycle, time has to be the hardest one. See, time is considered a person's most valuable asset. When you use it, you can never get it back. That's why there are so many phrases like, don't waste my time, or time's a-wasting, or it's about time. <laughs> time, though, as it relates to our spiritual growth, is about the process. See, time and process require discipline. Okay, so I'm a millennial, and there are many things that my generation is excellent at. But sticking to the process, <laughs> it's not always one of them. We want something to happen and happen fast. And now, I mean like right now. I remember before I became a pastor, I was a teacher, right? And I remember my first year like it was yesterday. I came in with all this excitement and joy. I had my plans ready. My room was so inviting. I had rehearsed how I would greet my students and how they would greet me. I would say, good morning class. Today is a good day. And then they would reply, and a good day it will be. <laughs> yes, this was going to be an awesome year. It was going to be so awesome that my principal would see how amazing of a teacher I was. And by the next year, I would be assistant principal. <laughs> Y'all, my first day was horrible. The kids came running in. They wouldn't sit where I asked them to. And no matter how many times I greeted them, they would not say the greeting back. 
My first day was a disaster. Then my first week, then my first month, and so on. I was ready to quit. I thought, maybe this is not for me. But my principal asked me a simple question. She said, how long have you been teaching? And I said, four months. She said, oh, okay, so not four years, not 14 years, not 40. She said, cut yourself some slack and trust the process. Give yourself some time. You see, I had this vision of what type of teacher I wanted, but I wasn't willing to put in the time to get there. After that first year, I saw my mistakes. I read books. I went to trainings, met with seasoned teachers, and I focused. Year two, I switched up some things. Year three, I knew what worked and what didn't work. Seven years later, I was teaching other teachers, but I had to give it time. You know, we are always willing to do whatever it takes to be successful in our careers. If the company shifts its model, we find ways for us to shift as well. We are willing to spend the time to go from the entry-level position all the way up to the executive. We will spend hours learning the craft, connecting with senior leaders. We will wake up early to make a good impression and stay late to get an even deeper understanding of the work we're called to do. We don't mind spending that time because to us, it's worth it. But isn't our spiritual growth worth even more? See, Jesus says, if we abide in him and he in us, we will bear much fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. If we want to grow spiritually, we have to spend intentional time with God. Yes, I know Zoom church is hard. I know you miss gathering together. I miss it too. But what are we going to do? Just stop? How does that serve us? Remember the farm in the dale, the dale, the valley, that's where God grows us the most. It's in those hard places when life has been turned upside down. It's in the deepest valleys where you find yourself developing the most. Suppose we stop doing the things that grow us spiritually. In that case, if we stop spending time with God through prayer, Bible reading, community groups, worship services, and serving others, you will become a malnourished Christian. See, we can't cut corners. We can't speed up the process, and we definitely can't skip it. See, there's a little song that my uh, daughter sings. Um, it's called, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. Now, in that song, they come up to a dark cave, and they say, we can't go over it. We can't go around it. We can't go under it will have to go through it. Family, we are going through a deep, dark cave. But if we stay close to God, if we spend intentional time with God, if we remain in him, we will experience spiritual growth. God uses this church as a place for us to experience that growth. So we must grow where we've been planted. And finally, after the seeds have been planted, after time has been spent with God, we will experience the harvest. God desires to see us grow in faith, but, we can't, but he can't produce what's not available to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 8 says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. 
So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will each be rewarded according to their own labor. I think if I was a farmer, I would plant apple trees. Not because I love apples. I mean, they're okay. But I would grow apples because apples bear lots of fruit. From one apple, you get six more seeds. See, that's a beautiful harvest. I tried to garden once, right? (laughs) I prepared my soil, planted my seeds, watered it, and I waited. And I waited. And I waited. See, I was hoping to see rows and rows of vegetables, but instead I only saw these little plant buds. I couldn't understand why my harvest didn't match the work I'd put in. I was about, I was about ready to give up when one day it rained. It rained for four days straight. I watched my little cedar block garden get drenched with rain. I just knew that was the end of my little green thumb award. But about two weeks later, my husband told me to come outside. Do you know I started to see more than just buds? Another week passed and cucumbers and green beans and bell peppers and lettuce started sprouting up everywhere. Soon I would pick up, as soon as I would pick off something, it would grow again. It just kept going and going and going. There was so much of it, I had to give it away. I realized then that if you plant good seed, cultivate it, and water those seeds, you will have a harvest one day. But it doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen overnight. Remember, Galatians 6, 9 says that in due season, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you faint not. I had a preacher once say that the law of harvest is you reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. But most importantly, you reap later than you sow. Our spiritual journey takes time. Just like with my garden, you don't always plant today and reap the harvest tomorrow. That's why it says not to grow weary when doing well. Don't get tired in the sowing and the cultivation of your spiritual seed because in due season, later on, there will be a harvest. You will reap if you don't faint. Family, we are in a season of cultivation. Our faith is being watered. God is doing a spiritual pruning He is watering the seeds that have been planted in us. And he hasn't forgotten about the work that you put in. He knows you have been faithful. He sees the intentional work that you do to stay connected to his vine. Just because you don't think you're growing doesn't mean it's not happening. Don't discredit the little buds of faith and commitment you see. See, I didn't realize, what I didn't realize was that there was more happening underneath the surface than what I could see happening on top. The time you spend praying, that one minute devotion you listen to, the hour you spend at church on Zoom, he saw, he even saw you dropping off that bag of food to someone in need. You know, those may look like small buds, but to God, those are big. 
God is doing a work in you. The harvest is what God wants to give to each of us. God wants to provide us with a harvest in our lives, a harvest in this church, a harvest in our family, a harvest at work and a harvest at school. He wants you to experience the best parts of him every day of your life. But you must allow the seeds to be planted. You must spend the time with God to cultivate you. And when we do, in due season, God will provide the harvest. You remember that apple orchard idea I said I had? If one apple tree can produce hundreds of apples and each apple produces six more seeds, what is the new seed's purpose? It's to plant more trees that will bear more fruit. See, we don't do all of this so that, as Pastor Jeff said, to become spiritually fat Christians. <laughs> no, God does it because he wants to provide a harvest. He doesn't want to provide a harvest just so that we can sit and eat. No, it's not enough for us to just grow spiritually. No, our spiritual growth is so that we may mature in such a way that we bear much fruit. See, God pours in us so that we can pour out. The farmer doesn't plant an orchard of apples to eat apples for the rest of his life. No, it's for the purpose of sharing. We refresh the ways we feed ourselves spiritually so that more people might eat at God's table. But there's one last thought I want to leave you with. God cannot provide a harvest in an empty field. If there is no soil for the seed to be planted, we will see no growth. We have to be willing to make ourselves available to the Lord's work. We must sacrifice our pleasures and our desires for his. It is our responsibility to seek God. He is looking for the spiritually hungry, those that thirst for Christ. He wants to provide a harvest of spiritual growth, but we must be willing to do our parts. Let's begin now by entering into a time of worship. Amen.